So you go to church for the first time. What's next? You volunteer for the egg drop. What's next? You write a check or you give online. What, what would be next? You read the Gospel of John. You've never read the Bible before, but you start reading and you read the Gospel of John. And this is cool, but what's, what, what's, what's next? It, it's, it's really the, the Easter story is a story of what's next. I wish on Easter I could preach this sermon, this message. It's on my heart today. Because it's really what everybody needs to know is the essence of why Jesus came, and it's the essence of what's next, but I can't. People would think I've been out fishing too long, and and there's not, you know, the fluffy stories. So today's a lot of meat. Today's a lot of scripture. Uh, I'm really glad that you're here. And it's so important, because Easter is a story of what's next. Mary goes running to the tomb. Not because she thought Jesus had risen from the dead. She goes running to the tomb to anoint Jesus' dead body with spices. And she sees two angels dressed in white, and she doesn't know why they're there. Then finally she sees Jesus, but she thought he was the what? Yeah, all eight of you were here last week. Good. All eight of you remember that. She thought he was the gardener. And she said, sir, if you've you've taken my my Lord, tell me where you've placed him. it's It's a what next story. And the reason the story is so important is you're in the story. You're absolutely in the story. Peter and John go running to the tomb. And the Bible says they still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Now, I just got to stop and say, this is like one of the coolest things I've ever seen. I have all these teenagers taking notes down here. This is like the coolest thing in the whole world. Jesus may come. Starbucks is on me next time, all right? I am so impressed. It's a story of what's next. You're asking that same question all the time. You graduate from high school, what's next? You graduate from college, what's next? You beat cancer, what's next? You you get married, what's next? Or you have a date, Will there be a second date? Will there be a third date? What's next? Everybody in the room is asking the question, what is next? You buy that fixer-upper. What, what's next? Well, this is a story today of really what's next. And here's what I want you to get. You're in the story. And today's text and today's scripture places us in the church age which is the final age before Jesus Christ comes back again. You're in what's known as the church age. It's so critical today. So here is what's next. It's the story of Acts chapter 1. Here's the story right after the resurrection. He says in my former book, Theophilus, well, this is now Acts, but this is the writer Luke. Luke wrote the gospel of Luke, but Luke also wrote Acts. In my former book, that would be the Gospel of Luke, right? Theophilus is a Roman official. We're not really sure who he was, but he was a guy who had a godly uh, lifestyle and was interested in this. So now he's writing to tell Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. Now, after giving instruction through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, 
After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. This is talking about after he rose from the dead. And after he rose from the dead, he was on this earth for 40 days. It tells us that in the very next verse. It says he appeared to them over a period of 40 days. Did you know that? Did you know that for 40 days, Jesus made post-resurrection appearances? Now, that is like way cool. Uh, we're not exactly sure who all he spoke to. I would have gone to Caiaphas and Annas and all the high priests, and I would have stood on the top of Mount you know, Moriah, and I would have said, I told you I was coming back, but that's not how he did it. Much more spiritual and godly than I am. 40 days, and he spoke about what? The kingdom of God. So on one occasion, while he was eating with them, and I think that's cool. What were they eating? They were sitting down having dinner together, breakfast. He gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, apostles, but wait because I got a gift, and the gift is coming. It's the gift that my Father has promised, which you heard me speak about. Do you remember the verses in John chapter 14 and John chapter 16 when Jesus said to them, I'm going to go away? And it's for your good that I go away. And they're going, time out. It's not going to be good at all that you go away. But he said, it's, it's for your good. This is, what he talk, this is what he's speaking about. He said, for John baptized with water, but in just a few days from now, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, this is like a crazy question. He's talking about spiritual issues, and they're talking about a military leader. It's like you're having a conversation with somebody, and you think you're explaining everything really, really well, and you know they ask a harebrained question that you know they're not with you, right? Happens in marriage probably, probably daily, right? Or happens in families but or in business. You know that somebody's really not tracking with you. They're not tracking with Jesus. Jesus has come for two reasons. He has come to redeem the human soul, a human spirit, and to restore the human soul. He has come to redeem the human spirit, we're going to talk about that, and to restore the human soul. They're asking for a military leader. They don't like the Romans who are everywhere. Now, you've got to realize this. Let's modernize this for just a minute. They're not free. And it would be like another country coming to America, subjugating us, and those soldiers would be at Starbucks. They would be at the airport. They would be in our church right now. They would be at Publix. They would be everywhere that we would go. And we don't like that. We're Americans. We're free. We want to be free. They're not free. And they're asking for a military leader, when are you going to restore the kingdom back to Israel? And Jesus is talking about something completely different. He's talking about the human spirit and the human soul. Look at this verse, and I want to talk more about this in just a minute. This is a great verse out of John chapter 8. In John chapter 8, verse 36, it says, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free, what? Indeed. You can be free, but not free indeed. You can be free in one area of your life, but not free in other areas of your life. You can be free in the fact that you've got your sins forgiven and your soul can be in an absolute prison. You can be free by accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and have your human spirit redeemed, bought back, and your soul can be locked in shackles and locked in chains. That's what we're going to talk about today. We're also going to talk about this on Mother's Day. We're going to come back and circle around this together on Mother's Day and just kind of layer this a little bit. So what does it mean to be free 
but not free indeed. Well, let me tell you about two ex-convicts. It's the greatest thing, it's the best illustration I can come up with, okay? In 2015, there were two convicts in New York serving long, lengthy sentences. And do you remember this? 2015, they talked a lady who worked there into giving them some tools. 2015, they got the tools from the lady, and they were able to cut out some things out of their cell, jump down to the catwalks, and they were able to escape. They were free, but they were not, but were they free indeed? They were free for 23 days. They were outside of their cells. They were running through New York, going up to Canada. But for 23 days, they were looking behind them, looking around them. Every time they hear a sound, is this the FBI? Is this the local state police? They were free, but they were not free indeed. And one guy was 49 and one guy was 35. And one guy eventually got shot and the other guy got shot also and captured. You can be free for 23 days and not be free indeed. You can be free for 23 years and not be free indeed. This is what I want to talk about today. And we're going to talk about this on Mother's Day. So he said to them, they just ask a question. He's like spiritual. I've come to redeem the human spirit. I've come to restore the human soul. Well, Lord, at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom back to Israel? It's like, are you guys listening to me? Are you following me? He said, guys, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But let's come back to the spiritual point. You receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. This is the church age. I have a plan for you. I have a purpose for you. I have something I want you to do, something I want you to be. And this is what he's trying to encourage them to be able to do. So, the Spirit's going to come. And the Spirit came. And the reason that I want to talk about this today is that the freer you are with your soul, the healthier you are with your soul, the better you're going to be able to witness. The better you're going to be able to serve Christ. The freer you're going to be, and other people are going to see how winsome it is for Jesus Christ to live inside of you. Jesus said, if the Son sets you free, you can be free indeed. So Jesus said, stay right here, boys. Do not leave Jerusalem. So they hang out about 10 more days. Now let me give you a time frame one more time. So after the resurrection, for 40 days, Jesus makes post-resurrection appearances. I don't know why there's 10 more days. There's 10 more days until the Holy Spirit comes. I don't know if that's 10 more days so they can kind of get their mental caps together. They can talk. I, I don't know. But at Pentecost, which is the 50th day, at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit's going to come. At that moment, there are all these different Jewish people from about 14 different nations who are all in the city of Jerusalem. Now, you've got to picture this. This little town of Jerusalem, maybe 20,000 people normally, now has over 200,000 people. And inside the city of Jerusalem proper, there are Jews from 14 different nations. Jews were there. There were Parthians, Jewish people that were Parthians, Medes, Elamites, 
residents of Mesopotamia, Cappadocia, Asia, Phrygia, Rome, Cretans, Arabs, Libya, all these different nations now, Jewish people, were all these Jewish nations were inside of the city proper. Peter stands up and he speaks to them because the Holy Spirit has fallen on him and they are like shell-shocked. How is it that we all hear all these different nations, we hear the apostles speaking in our language? We understand their... And they're going, aren't these guys Galileans? Now again, we probably don't get that. What they're saying is, aren't they a bunch of uneducated hicks? That's what they're saying. These are a bunch of rednecks. Aren't these guys who are speaking all these multiple languages a bunch of rednecks? And the answer is, yes. And they were just amazed by this. So here's how the story continues. The Holy Spirit comes, and Peter stood up with the 11. Now, this is what happens when your soul gets restored. Remember how he was earlier? He was afraid of a middle school girl. A middle school girl took the big bad apostle Peter down. Aren't you one of those? No, I don't know who he is. Not me. Uh-uh, not me. Peter stood up with the eleven. He raised his voice. He addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, probably 200,000 from 14 different nations. Fellow Jews, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, fellow Jews would be all the different nations. Those who live in Jerusalem, the people who are there in the Jerusalem proper, proper, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people that you hear speaking all these different languages, they are not drunk as you suppose. I love that. They thought they were on the sauce. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. This is hilarious. It's only 9 in the morning, he said. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you. And through him, you saw this. You know blind Bartimaeus. You know Jesus walked on water. You know Jesus turned water into wine. You saw the mute and the deaf. You saw these people get healed. You know that Jesus performed these amazing miracles. This man who did all these miracles was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, you put him to death. You nailed him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead. I always like that, but God. Whenever you see but God, that's, you need to pay attention. But God. He raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Fellow Israelites, I mean, Peter's on a roll right now. He's communicating with power. I can tell you confidently, wow, confidently? You guys were behind locked doors. You guys were afraid that the Jews were coming after you next, that the patriarch David died. Now he's going to bring David into this. Greatest king of all times was David. He's going to use David as an illustration. That The patriarch David died and he was buried in his tomb. We know where David's tomb is, but we don't know where Jesus is. But he was a prophet and he knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke. Who did? David. David spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, the greatest king of all, the one they so admired, Moses and David. They both spoke about the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor would his body see decay. God raised this Jesus to life. 
And we are all witnesses of it. We've seen him. So how do these guys go from cowards to courageous? How do they go from being behind locked doors to now boldly proclaiming that Jesus, they'd seen Jesus rise from the dead because they weren't afraid to die? You know why they weren't afraid to die? Because they knew they'd be raised back to life. And you can't scare a person like that. A person like that doesn't have any fear. And we are all witnesses of it. He was exalted to the right hand of God. He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out. This is where you come into the story. He's poured out His Spirit in you. He's poured out His Spirit on you. The Spirit is poured out in you and on you for sake of purpose. Everybody who's a Christian in this room, you have a purpose in your neighborhood, in your farm, in your family, in your school, in your work. Everybody has a purpose. He's poured it out on what you now see and that you now hear. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. How do you think they're feeling at this moment? This is an oh my gosh moment. I can't believe this happened. I'm not supposed to use the word crap, but this is an old crap moment, okay? What are we going to do? How in the world? Are you kidding me? Look what just happened here. The Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. That's a word for conviction. And all of us in this room, we have felt that conviction. We've heard a scripture, we've heard a song, we've heard a sermon, we've heard a testimony. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, and it's convicted us. And we know that we know that we know that God is reaching out and grabbing a hold of our heart, and He's got claws in it and on, and He won't let go. We've all felt this because we've all had a need for our human spirit to get redeemed. And the human spirit is when you become a Christian. And the human spirit becoming redeemed is when you give your life to Christ. That's easy. It was explained to me like this. You need Jesus. You don't accept Jesus. You got sin. Sin results in damnation. Damnation results in eternal hell. You want all your sins forgiven. You accept Jesus. That's a no-brainer. You're a village idiot if you don't make this decision. That's a no-brainer. The soul we're going to talk about in just a minute, that's hard, really, really hard. So they're working on the human spirit right here, not the soul, the human spirit. He says, what do we do? We've just killed God's son. We've just killed the Messiah. What in the world can we do to make this right? And so Peter replied, and he said, will you repent? And this word repent means change how you think about Jesus. Change your thinking, change your pattern of thought, change your behavior, change how you think, change how you behave, turn around, you were walking away, now walk toward Jesus, and then he says, be baptized. And the cool thing about Christian baptism is it's this identification with the greatest event in all of history. And the greatest event was Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection. And in Christian baptism... You're identifying with his great event. You die to yourself. You die to your sins. You bury all your past, all your present, and all your future sins. And you rise and walk just as he came up out of the grave. You come up out of the water. We don't leave you down there for three days. 
although I have been given money to leave him down for three or four minutes. But anyway, we don't leave anybody down there. And, and you rise to walk to a new life. You repent me baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus. In the name. There's power in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. And, and then you get the gift. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you, and it's for your children. Now, again, maybe 200,000 people inside the city. And for all who are far off, you know what this means? This doesn't mean geographically people who are like, you know, this means spiritually every non-Jew. Every non-Jew would be the Gentiles who are far off. And this is one of the first times where the gospel actually goes out into the entire world. And so now everybody, Jew and Gentile, become a part of the promised people, uh, part of God's chosen people. For all who are far off and all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number um, that day. On May the 7th, at Honeymoon Island Beach, we're going to go back out there, Honeymoon Island Park. And on the beach that night, we're going to have another baptism service. And we do this three or four times during the summertime. And we baptize lots and lots of people out at the beach. It's one of the coolest things of all time. We have sometimes 700 people out there. And we sing, and we pray, and we read Scripture, and we form this tunnel. And if you're the one getting baptized, you walk through this tunnel, and we're all like high-fiving you on the way out to the water. And then we dunk you in the Gulf of Mexico, and, and because of all your sins, fish die for 10 miles. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Okay. It's awesome. It's absolutely awesome. What happens? Those who were accepted this message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to the number that day. Jesus came for two reasons. One is to redeem, buy back, purchase your human spirit. So here's how it works, real simple. When you give your life to Christ, Jesus Christ encapsulates your human spirit. And you got to do this. To be saved, you got to do it. To be regenerated, you got to do this. To be able to go to heaven, you got to do this. To have your sins forgiven, you got to do this. You accept Jesus. This is easy. There's nothing you can do. You can't earn this. You can't buy it. You just accept it. You receive it. This is easy. The hard part's the soul. He came to redeem the human spirit, but he came to restore your soul. Now, that's hard because you've had years to mess up your soul. And you've had years and years and years of maybe not having any progress when it comes to soul care. So let's talk about the soul for just a minute. We're going to talk about this again on Mother's Day. But what happens over here is, depending upon your background, is basically how jacked up you are. And some of you in this room are pretty jacked up. Bad homes, bad backgrounds. Lots of mistakes, lots of spiritual strongholds. A lot of that has happened from your background. But also, some of you, you had good backgrounds, good homes, but you've contributed to it. You've said and done a lot of things that have damaged your soul. Think of a prison. Think of the old John Wayne. I like these old Western movies, Clint Eastwood, John Wayne. You watch those old prison cells. This is what you've done. The cell door is wide open. 
but you've gone into the cell and you stay in the cell. Even though the Son has come to set you free, and He's come to set you free indeed, and your human spirit has been redeemed, and you're going to heaven and all your sins are forgiven, you can be free, but if you're honest, you're not free indeed. If you're honest, you're filled with anxiety. You're filled with control issues. You're filled with all kinds of anger or unforgiveness. Your soul, if you could see your spirit, it's as white and as bright as it could ever be. But your soul has been darkened and tarnished, and your soul needs some soul care. And the Son has come to set you free. And He can set you free indeed. But inside that prison is you. Eating issues, drinking issues. I said in the last service, I said, some of you smoke way too much pot. I should have said you shouldn't smoke any pot. Well, it was hilarious. They, they thought that was funny. Uh, I, said, I said, okay, you drink too much, all right? You drink too much. Whatever your issue is, some of you talk too much. Some of you don't talk enough. Some of you blow up with conflict. Some of you are so scared of conflict. You wake up every day with fear and anxiety. Or maybe it's greed. Or maybe it's pornography. Or maybe it's just you can't get a grasp on your anger. Or maybe it's, and there's a hundred other things that we could mention today. This is easy. This is a no-brainer. And so you'll see on college campuses this verse. It's kind of funny to me, but this verse will be on a marquee out in front of a major secular university. And they'll have this verse, John 8, 32. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But the interesting part about this is this is a person. This is not a doctrine of, of knowledge. Knowledge doesn't set you free. You've gotten more educated than you've ever been. Is your soul better? The more you learn, does your soul get stronger and does your soul get healthier? The, the answer would be no. And so this is why as a church we're always saying, let's read the Bible every day. Let's learn to pray every day. Let's learn to grow in our faith every day. That's why we're trying to get you in connect groups. That's why we're trying to get you to men's groups. That's why we're trying to get you into women's groups. This is why we're trying to get you to grow in your faith, to have accountability. Some of the men in this room, you're so scared to get into a small group because you're afraid the other guys in that group are going to think you're not great. And you're scared to death to be transparent and to be honest. Every other guy in the group already knows you're not great because they're not great. And so you're just, do you want to stay in the prison? Do you want to stay in the cell? Or do you want to get up and to get out? And so we're going to pass out communion. And go ahead and pass communion out this time. And we're going to talk about the prison cell for communion. And I'm going to ask you to hold, just take one of those. There's two cups in it. One has the bread in it. One has the juice in it. So just take one. It'll have both in it. And what I want you to do during this time of communion is I want you to go to your cell. I want you to go to your cell. You're already there, right? You already know what it is. And, and, and why are you in that cell? Is it fear? Is it anxiety? 
Is it some kind of a perversion? Is it a lack of self-discipline? What, why are you in, what, what is your issue inside of yourself? And I'm going to ask you to do this, to come to the truth. Jesus, I've had this issue now for 17 years or 23 years or 23 days. I'm still struggling. Oh, my goodness. I'm a Christian. I'm going to heaven. My sins are forgiven. But if I'm honest, I don't even know what to do. But I'm coming to you. This is what we do as a community during communion. We collectively come together. And our faith strengthens each other, and our faith helps each other, and our faith builds up one another. But if you would, during just a couple minutes, go to that cell and ask God to help you to be free indeed. come to you, Jesus. And we're overwhelmed with gratitude that you have redeemed our human spirit with the blood of your Son. Oh God, we're grateful. And, And Lord Jesus, you've come to set us free from these issues because you have work for us to do. And we can't be in a prison cell and, and function like you've designed us to function. We can't witness. We can't work. We can't share. We can't grow. We can't lead. We can't teach. We can't do all the things you've called us to do without being free indeed. So, Jesus, we come and say, we're so impressed with who you are. We thank you for your your body. And may this bread, which represents your body, strengthen us, our minds, our wills, our emotions. Let's take of the bread together. We thank you for your blood. We thank you for how you shed your blood for us. And there's power in your blood. There's power in the blood of Jesus. Get us out of those prison cells. Let us walk out, shut the door, lock the door, and never go back in the name of Jesus. So we partake of the blood together. So we really talked about three things this morning. One is, if you've never given your life to Jesus, that's a big deal. It's an eternal deal. That's an everlasting deal breaker. And we want to encourage you to do that. We'll have prayer partners down front, and our prayer partners down front will help you. What do you do? You go down to one of them and say, I I think it's time. I I need to do this. Help me. Help me become a Christian. And they will. 
Second of all, we've talked about being baptized, May the 7th. Go out to the guest service desk, sign up. If you've never been baptized by immersion, if you've never identified with Jesus' death, his burial, his resurrection, it's time, it's time to identify with that. And thirdly today, your soul is hard. I think we preachers have done you a disservice over the years. I, I think we have made these two to sound like they're easy. This one's really easy. This has taken me probably 30 years to figure out. This one over here, it's really, really hard. But it's worth it. It's worth the fight. It's worth the effort. Because there's power then in you and through you and among you. And he pours out his power all over you. So we're going we're to talk about this again. This kind of going to do this in waves and in, in time of uh, refreshing. We're going to do this again. Because I want you to get this. I want you to get this. And, and you want to get this. So we're going to ask you to stand up and ask our prayer partners to come down front. And um, perhaps you would like a prayer partner to pray for you about your soul. And uh, they will do that for you today. So come down front, give your life to Christ, go out there, sign up to be baptized into Jesus, or come down today and let someone pray for your mind, your will, and your emotions. Okay? All right. Have a great day. See ya.